My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with women, female-identified, and non-binary individuals regarding their professional stories and personal narrative as it relates to their perspective. This podcast is designed to hold a space for all individuals to learn from their counterparts, regardless of age, status, or industry. We intend to transparently investigate the evolving global dialogue regarding underrepresented figures in all industries across the USA and abroad. By hosting these stories and conversations, we aim to contribute to the changing platform and representation of these individuals for the future. If you are enjoying this podcast series, be sure to check out our subsequent series called Roundtable with Patricia Kathleen, where we talk with a panel of guests regarding key topics that arise in these individual interviews. You can subscribe to all of our podcast series on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean, as well as our website, patriciacathleen.com. You can also contact me directly via this website or through my media website, wild.agency. That's W-I-L-D-E dot agency. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Eva Teixeira. Eva is the co-founder of The Good Face Project. You can find it at www.thegoodfaceproject.com. Welcome, Eva. Hi, Patricia. Hi. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. And for everyone listening, I'm going to read a bio on Eva, but before I get to that, I'm going to do a quick roadmap of today's podcast. We'll first be looking at Eva's academic background and early professional life. Then we'll turn our efforts to unpacking the Good Face Project. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of the who, what, when, where, why, funding, all of that good stuff. And then we'll turn our attention towards some of the ethos behind the company and its goal. And then we'll turn towards its actual goals on its horizon for the next one to three years regarding scaling, expansion, branding, all of those good things. We'll wrap the entire podcast up with advice that Eva may have for those that are you looking to get involved with the Good Face Project or perhaps emulate some of she and her co-founder's success. A quick bio on Eva. Eva Teixeira is co-founder and CEO of the Good Face Project. She immigrated from her home country of Bulgaria to the U.S. by herself as a teen and has spent the past two decades in the pursuit of excellence, contribution, and leadership as a woman in STEM. Eva has a master's in industrial engineering from the University of Michigan and a Harvard MBA. She put her skills to work in advising Fortune 100 C-suites and in scaling technology startups. At the Good Face Project, Eva and her co-founder, Lena, use artificial intelligence to help people find clean cosmetics that will work for their needs. Their team is on a mission to transform the $400 billion cosmetic industry by putting consumers at the center of product discovery and formulation. So Eva, I'm so excited to get into the Good Face Project. You and I actually met at um, a female's um, event in San Diego, California about a year ago. But before we get into the Good Face Project and all of its particularities, I'm hoping you can draw us a quick picture of your academic background and early professional life that led you to be where you are right now. That sounds great. Uh, It's so wonderful to be speaking with you again, Patricia. Um, So I came to the U.S. with uh, $3,000 borrowed by my parents from uh, friends uh, to my name. Uh, and I um, always knew that the only way to make it in this country is by uh, being the best at whatever it is that um, 
I chose to do. Uh, and that to me meant education very early on. Uh, so I pursued an undergraduate degree in mathematics um, and with a lot of, um, you know, starts and stops because I was putting myself through school. I graduated with that from a, a small college, small private college in Wisconsin. Uh, and after that, um, um, I just knew I wanted to be um, someone who builds things and the most natural fit for someone in STEM. Um, and with that aspiration uh, is, of course, engineering. Um, so I went to engineering school uh, in Michigan, and I tremendously enjoyed uh, what I learned there. Um, I learned that I actually really, really like optimizing processes and um, uh, systems of people, if you will. And so I specialized in industrial engineering. Uh, and when I graduated, I got my first real job that was actually like a professional job uh, with uh, a wonderful company uh, in the consumer packaged goods space. Um, and there I tried my hand at uh, being a continuous improvement expert, rolling out Six Sigma initiatives. Um, um, I got my hands dirty in the in the new product development area. Um, and at that point, I started to see that actually uh, a lot of the other processes of the company were extremely interesting to me. For example, the budgeting process, uh, what the CFO has to engineer every single day, every single year, um, the way in which strategy for the company is decided, um, the marketing funnel, uh, and all of these um for some people, they might seem like very abstract notions, but for me, they were just absolutely um, just completely elating. Uh, and I um, learned from that experience that I really love the business of business. Um, and that led me to pursue my MBA at Harvard. Um, I, um, while being there, uh, found that um, it's really fascinating to look uh, across businesses at these exact processes that I mentioned to you. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that made me aspire to be uh, an advisor, to be a consultant to the C-suite of Fortune 100 companies. I joined a leading uh, consulting firm in Boston right after school to do exactly that. And I got to work for companies um, and C-suites uh, in the beauty industry. Um, I have consulted for three of the top five big beauty companies uh, in this world um, on things that have to do with um, their manufacturing processes, uh, their pricing strategies, their brand strategies, the way that they look at the consumers and the retailers. Um, and that is actually what led me to founding the Good Face Project. Um, and uh, uh, to seeing that there are things that we can do to serve the consumer in a much better way in the industry. Yeah, and now I want to kind of turn to unpacking the Good Face Project. Let's start off with like some of the particulars. So when was it founded? Who is your co-founder? And what was like the impetus for the launch? You're talking about you had this history with it, but can you speak a little bit to how the two of you decided to launch it together? in addition to when and um, who your co-founder is. 
Yeah, so um, I was actually consulting uh, a large beauty company in London um, in the end of 2017 when I found the opportunity to provide the consumer with a more curated experience of shopping for beauty products. Uh, as well as with an experience that ensures um, and like provides confidence for that consumer that uh, the products that uh, he or she is purchasing will will have no negative health effects uh, long term for uh, them or for their families. Um, and at that point in time, I didn't really know much about how ingredients in the industry played uh, such a big role both for the healthfulness and the efficacy of products. Mm -hmm. um, and so I finished that, uh, that uh, project, delivered, you know, gave my deliverables to uh, the chief executives that I was working at that time uh, with. And um, I came back home to San Diego and I started researching the industry in the United States. And I found some staggering uh, facts. Uh, first and foremost, the last time that uh, regulations in the United States were changed in order to um, help the consumer and prevent the consumer from uh, using um, toxins in our personal care and cosmetics uh, was over 80 years ago when the, the regulations were actually created. Hmm. Uh, this means that for over 80 years, um, the FDA and um, uh, our lawmakers have ignored um, very pertinent and uh, large-scale studies, scientific studies, that prove that uh, certain ingredients that we currently have in our personal care and cosmetics um, can cause cancer, can cause obesity, diabetes, heart failure, um, uh, infertility. Uh, and um, that was just astounding to me. I had no idea that this was happening on my very skin, on the skin of my kids. Um, and that made me uh, look further into the industry. The more I looked at the industry, the more I realized that it's a huge industry, just like the food industry, um, that is quite mature. Uh, we have had toothpaste for over a century now, mm -hmm. uh, the same with soap and creams and things like that. Um, so it's a very mature industry that is at most growing with inflation on any given year. But what I found fascinating about it uh, in recent years was that a small segment of it called Queen Beauty was growing three to four times faster than the industry. And it already had a pretty sizable um, base. So to me, that meant that the consumer was starting to get educated and to start uh, and was starting to learn um, really all these facts that I myself discovered in the stretch of a couple of months of um, investigating. Now, was the and Queen so, Beauty, was that a company or is that just a space in the market? It's uh, basically a category that okay. uh, has, at this point in time, uh, become very broadly known as Queen Beauty. And it includes um, not just cosmetics. It, in it includes, you know, um, sunscreens and mm -hmm. soap and hand sanitizers, just anything that is uh, clean. And there's no standard for it. 
uh, and we will get to that part in a little bit. Uh, but there's no there's no body of of um, uh, regulatory body that can tell you this is clean and this is not clean. Uh, but there are a number of um, sources that are just surfacing all of the information, all the scientifically um, provided information about the egregious uh, actions of certain ingredients. And so the lack of these ingredients in products uh, then makes these products, uh, quote, clean, unquote. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so I, I didn't know that we were basically uh, sitting in, in the very, very, very beginning of a revolution in beauty, which is basically the move towards clean and towards ingredient transparency, which is very similar to the revolution that happened in food in the last five to 10 years, which was the move to organic and to, um, you know, transparency of where the ingredients came from in our food. Um, so this kind of like high level industry observation made me extremely excited about the opportunity to actually play some sort of role in, in that revolution. Mm -hmm. um, as I started looking further into ingredients, I very quickly realized that um, just like there is no regulatory uh, body of work for what is good and what is not good for the uh, consumer, um, there is also no standard for naming ingredients. And so you would see water, you would see aqua, you would see dihydrogen oxide, H2O, um, organic water, distilled water, water of um, virgin from the Alps. So <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's all over the place. Um, and uh, this is just water. So if you are talking about the chemical compound, the synonyms that you could find for that chemical compound on the back panel of your favorite cream could be up to 111. That's what that's the record that we have recorded so far. Um, mm. And at that point in time, I knew that I was out of my depth. Um, you know, as an industrial engineer, I can think about how the overall higher level problem of informing ourselves can happen uh, and can be solved. But I had no idea how to think about organizing all of these, um, you know, disparate pieces of information that I found on the industry and disparate sources of information about the action of certain ingredients in cosmetics. Um, and uh, luckily at that time, I actually met my co-founder. Uh, her name is Lena Sklerova Mordvinova. She's from Ukraine, uh, and she's allegedly uh, the, <laughs> the only rocket scientist to be working currently in the cosmetics vertical. Excellent. Uh, 13 years ago, she was already um, a, a Ukrainian space research researcher, and there she was developing uh, image recognition algorithms, artificial intelligence algorithms um, uh, for counter bioterrorism uh, purposes. And so she was working on algorithms that Facebook made sexy, you know, 13 years later. Um, yeah. and, I, and I showed her my problem. I told her, Lena, we have to solve this. This is this is fantastically important at this point in time in this industry. Um, people are craving transparency and information. Um, they're searching products by ingredients, good and bad, and we can be that source, we can help them. 
Um, and she thought that uh, it's a very like challenging and interesting um, engineering problem. Uh, and she started writing code for it. And the rest is history. That happened in March of 2018. Um, since then, uh, you know, we wrote the first line of code in May. Uh, and since then, we have created um, the largest ontology of cosmetic ingredients, mm -hmm. uh, which at this, go ahead. What is the goal? Is the goal transparency? And has the goal changed? Was it to create an index for transparency and um, promoting health? Or was it just to create something that hadn't been done before? So the initial uh, insight that I gained from my consulting project with um, that beauty company in London was that um, we, uh, you know, a large segment of us shoppers in the beauty industry actually want both clean products and a curated experience of finding them. We are used to getting our clothes shipped to us by Stitch Fix. We are used to buying things in boxes um, and you know, like only returning the, the stuff that we don't want. Uh, we're used to this curation. Pandora curates our music. Netflix curates our entertainment. Um, and there is that segment of about 12 million shoppers in the United States. Uh, they're primarily shopping online across, across categories. And we honestly don't want to be browsing endlessly and looking for things. Uh, we want to know what's right for us when we, uh, when we take the time to answer some questions. So we're targeting both clean beauty that is personalized uh, to you. Um, uh, so, so what that means is that we uh, want to really be like your Pandora for skincare. So um, if you go on uh, the Good Face app, which is up and coming uh, in the next uh, um, month or so, uh, you will be able to answer a few questions about your skin type, where you live, how you take care of your skin, what you eat, are you pregnant? Um, uh, and we will take into consideration all of these answers. And uh, for every single product in our database, we will calculate something that we call percent match. And we will tell you um, that your XYZ cream is 38% uh, match to your needs, whereas uh, cream ABC is an 85% match for your needs based on our algorithm. And on top of that, we will tell you what the safety grade of that, uh, of that product is so that you can make a more informed decision from both aspects. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh, and I'm assuming that you are constantly uploading new products and um, things like that. So will you send out your users who are kind of questioning current products online or getting suggestions from your algorithms from you? Will those be constantly evolving? Yes, uh, so we actually um, are currently in um, serious negotiations with uh, two uh, very large uh, U.S. retailers who uh, will um, um, actually ask the brands that they carry to come to our platform um, and upload the information about every single product uh, that they um, produce for the American market um, and uh, certify that 
the ingredients that, that they are listing against every product are correctly represented. Uh, and at that point in time, we will have like the most fresh data. But the way that we, uh, um, the data that we already have on products um, so far uh, encompasses 4,300 of the broadest distribu distributed brands uh, in the U.S. already. Um, so there is a pretty good chance that if you look up a product on our website right now, you will be able to find it. Um, but in another couple of months, uh, that will be almost um, 100% chance. And so do you explain how much of education is there on your site? Do you explain what specific, probably I'm, I'm suggesting more harmful, is there any kind of an index or a glossary of terms that speaks to because few, you know, the average consumers right now, I would, I would wager on the market, understand maybe 60% of the ingredients in those, even the, some of the healthier ingredients, you know, the actual scientific name for beeswax is a little bit different. And so yeah. um, do you have anything that kind of educates or if someone wants to, you know, even the, you have the list of ingredients that are in that product, does it explain harmful ingredients that are in that product? Do you have any kind of educational aspect to it right now like that? Absolutely. We provide for every product a summary of the harmful ingredients, and they are usually tagged with one of four um, toxicity tags. Uh, they can be allergens, irritants, endocrine disruptors, or carcinogens. Um, some ingredients are all four, of course. Uh, but uh, these, these uh, kind of... Um, toxicity tags that we provide to the consumer are not just, you know, displayed, but you can also click or tap on any ingredient um, and go to the ingredient page where we explain um, more about the ingredient. And we also link to the scientific uh, resources that are publicly available most often on PubMed or PubChem that can give you, like, if you really, really, really want to nerd out and read everything there is to know about this particular ingredient, we provide you with those links. Nice. So you can, you can really, it depends on how deeply you want to engage with, uh, with the information that we provide. If you just want to know that your product is safe, all you need to see on it is our little green plus sign. That means that the product is safe for you and your family for a long-term use and there will be no health effects. If you um, want to know precisely what squalane is or what tocopherol or vitamin E is, you will get to that answer as long as you are interested in continuing to um, uh, explore the website and, and follow the, the links that we provide. Absolutely. So I'm wondering if you launched in um, April of 2018 and you're already to this place, it sounds like a very healthy, it sounds like out of infancy, almost clearing toddlerdom. How has your growth been mm -hmm. thus far? So um, we have um, realized that actually what we provide um, is extremely valuable to uh, all three large groups of constituencies in the industry. So starting with us, the consumer, um, we crave transparency. We want to be able to shop um, shop by ingredients, almost the way that we already shop for our food. You know, we want to get 
the organic peppers, but we don't care if our bananas are organic because they come, uh, you know, in a <laughs> convenient wrapper of their own and so on and so forth. Um, the the cosmetics consumer wants the same type of convenience and transparency. Um, and we deliver that via our website as well as um, in, in the app that we're launching in a little bit. Um, for the brands um, that make these products, uh, we found, um, actually we were cold called by a few brands asking us, can we um, become members of, of your platform? Can we start supplying our information directly to our platform? Because we have taken yeah. such a long time to painstakingly formulate the right products. Um, and we want to be recognized by your good faith index. And actually, because brands asked us for that, we developed uh, a way for them to log into our platform and begin managing their own products in it. And then we audit uh, what they submit and certify their products um, according to the good faith index. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is another uh, level of value that we provide. And at this point in time, we have uh, close to 50 brands that are members of the good faith index. Absolutely. Um, I think it's crucial to have like this watchdog moment as well. You know, few people can afford to go out and get a PhD in cosmetic science. And so to have people that are applying through indexes such as yours that have this rating and um, in-depth knowledge and understanding is, is so useful. I'm wondering um, over right. the next one to three years, now given the, the current climate and um, things like that. I know it's it's altered at the very least most startups and small businesses, but I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to some of the um, plans that your goals that you have for the Good Face Project from now for the next three years, what you foresee, your vision board moment, if you will, of where you'll be mm -hmm. um, over the next three years. Of course. So uh, we dream and talk and uh, visualize this all the time. So mm -hmm. I can talk about it in the middle of the night. Uh, in the next three years, we want uh, the Good Faith Index to be a household name. We want um, brands that carry the Good Faith Index uh, um, approved sign, basically the certification label, almost like a USDA, USDA organic label that we have developed. We want these brands to be preferred by consumers because of that label. Uh, at this point in time, we have a dozen brands that carry that label already. And we know already that two of them were picked by uh, the largest specialty beauty retailer in the United States because they carried that label. So that type of um, you know, uh, role, key role is that we envision for the Good Face project, the Good Face Index and our app. Um, it's a very, very high aspiration. And that means that we have to engage all constituencies in the industry. Um, and it also means that we have to go very fast in a very precise way uh, of aggregating all of the possible information about cosmetic ingredients. Um, and at this point in time, our ontology has over 80,000 ingredients graded across 15 dimensions of safety and efficacy. So our AI is actually our biggest, um, if you will, the, the, the motor behind um, our ability to scale and grow. Mm -hmm. um, and so with, with that in mind, we, um, we were able to, uh, this February, 
closed a large angel round of almost a million dollars. And at this point in time, we are putting these funds to use um, in scaling uh, our technology, scaling our algorithm, and in um, really going to market uh, in a very powerful way. Um, so watch out, watch, watch out for us. We're coming. Uh, we're coming um, very, very quickly and almost everywhere that you shop. Nice. I'm wondering, with all of this, have you and your co-founder, it hasn't been only but a few weeks and people are still processing. However, um, when you get into um, products and services and things like that, such as your index that are really paying attention to ingredients and the other side of that being optimal health and transparency and, and awareness. Um, have you had conversations about how this, how you could potentially play into what will be the, um, the world after COVID-19? Have you talked about implementing it into some of your marketing or your strategy or conversation that you'll be having with potential customers or um, business clients of your own? Have you had any kind of rhetoric to that effect? Of course, of course. Uh, so um, first and foremost is uh, you, the consumer, me, like our families. Uh, and so we, um, we have thought long and hard about um, uh, this almost every day, uh, and what we came um, came away with uh, with is that um, we really need to start being able to tell people um, whether their products are strengthening or weakening their immune system. So we're actually thinking about incorporating one more uh, label um, into our Good Face Index that has to do with how good is this product for your immunity? Your, your skin is the largest organ of your body. Um, and how you treat it can have very, very serious positive or negative health effects. Um, and so, um, you know, we know that uh, this um, uh, situation in which we are with uh, co-virus, it's, it's not going to be the, the last time and it's mm -hmm. there's really no end in sight yet right uh so out of the concern for everyone that we know and love we we have started thinking about how to incorporate this uh, immune system uh response uh to uh chemicals in our uh in our cosmetics um that's at one level um at the next level we know that um retail will be extremely challenged to come back yeah, at, um, as, a, as, as we knew it, as brick and mortar retail in, in beauty. Um, and uh, we know that um, a number of the partners that we are working with currently in the retail space uh, will need better um, way of serving their shoppers online because uh, a vast number of the shoppers that used to shop on uh, brick and mortar um, will not just not go there anymore, no. uh, but they will require the same type of curation and the same and the same type of services as they used to experience when they would go to their favorite Sephora or Ulta, and the consultants there would deliver uh, advice to them. Uh, so our our uh, technology and our database uh, can greatly aid those online experiences. 
uh, and we're already in um, a number of conversations regarding that with retailers. Uh, and finally, um, actually right now, as we speak, we are uh, speaking with all of the emerging brands that are members of the Good Face Index, and we're putting our heads together as small businesses. We are a small business, they're a small business, and we are figuring out how to elevate each other's brand and to break through uh, the white no noise that currently is uh, happening and to keep, uh, keep each other um, resilient through this time. So we're working through this um, again in a number of ways. Absolutely. And given that you guys are kind of um, in this interesting turn, and I imagine that your story will become even more faceted with the change of COVID and, and just the consideration of already thinking about health and then getting this um, very captivated audience, you know, as, as the entire world has become very aware and astutely con keenly concerned with health. I'm wondering, um, given what you know thus far about developing your startup in the industry that you have, aggregating data, um, developing this unseen before index and things of that nature, if someone wanted to get involved in what they were doing and they came up to you tomorrow, a young woman or female identified or perhaps a non-binary individual, and they said, what are your top three pieces of advice for me? What would they be today as they stand now? Your top three pieces that you've learned thus far um, knowing what you know? Um, you know, the top three pieces of advice um, probably haven't changed much um, between uh, the beginning and where we are currently at the Good Face Project. And it, they really reflect our values. Um, um, you know, as long as you target contribution and you figure out what it is that people really need, there will always be an opportunity for you. Um, we didn't really foresee that uh, emerging brands would need our good face index. Um, but when they turned to us, we listened. You know, we didn't really foresee this um, uh, situation with coronavirus. But when our retail partners uh, turned to us, we're listening. Um, and we're really trying to improve things for everyone and to contribute to uh, the state of the industry. So if your guiding light is contribution, you will be okay. Um, now, you know, people can contribute in big and small ways. So like, it's really important to contribute in a way uh, in which it distinguishes you, uh, uh, in a way in which like others can't. Um, and so um, being able to uh, actually understand what your core strengths are and really, really um, make sure that you are um, one of the best at, at what you do uh, is also very important. And these are not, these are not things that, um, you know, uh, we would, uh, we would not think uh, about, um, you know, as, as everybody knows, just be good at what you do and make sure that people get value from you. But it is, so, so uh, hard to live this on a daily basis um, when attention is towards um, the tragedies that are happening everywhere, where attention is towards the everyday, you know, uh, small and big ways in which we are inconvenienced that we forget about that. Um, but in a way, if we actually remember these two guiding principles, 
that are behind the Good Faith Project as well, um, it's a very grounding thing and it's a very empowering thing to just target contribution with what you're best at. Um, and, and that's really it. I don't think it's any more complex than that. Nice. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that we can lose sight of, of simple formulas like that, though, and um, and that's where people kind of lose lose concentration. So I've got um, target contribution and figure out what you're really good at. Uh, let your guiding light be contribution and be good at what you do and make sure that um, people get value from it. I think those are all really clean pieces of advice. I like that a lot. Well, we are, Eva, we are out of time and um, I'm excited to return. I will come back in a year or so and find out what, how you've spent your million dollars and check out um, <laughs> your exciting index. I want to say thank you so much for your time today. And um, I really appreciate all of your information. Thank you very much for having me, Patricia. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. For everyone listening, we've been speaking with Eva Teixeira. You can find her on www.thegoodfaceproject.com. And until we speak again next time, remember to stay safe and always bet on yourself. Sláinte.